Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum. I'm your host, Kyle, with a K. This is the horror podcast of the Ruminations Radio Network. Today, joining me, I have two special people, one of which is pretty spooky. He haunts many locations in, in multiple areas with, through multiple people. Uh, he's a paranormal one. He's the ghost of Tsushima. He's the ghost of your house. It's Ian with two E's. Ian, how you doing? How's it going, Kyle? How's it going? Thank you for the introduction. That was fantastic. It's going pretty good. You know, the highest grossing movie from the year this came out was actually Ghost. So it matches oh. your intro. Um, have you guys seen Ghost, by the way? Uh, that's, not the same, that's not the same one. <laughs> but same actor, though, so I appreciate the same effort. Same actor. It's appreciate. with the clay, right? The clay. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay, okay. I've seen both movies. They're like the same to me, though. It was actually really funny. Ian, how you doing? (laughs) I'm just ghosting around, you know? I'm just just floating, chilling, haunting people. It's it's cool. What you been up to lately? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, that's that's good here, Kyle. You're in a better mood today. Um, (laughs) I'm awake because we're not talking about Saw (laughs) 2. Yeah, we're not covering a Saw movie, so I'm doing... (laughs) I'm doing a little better. Hopefully, Saw Three is better though. That one feels a little hostile. Um, I'm doing good. You know, I'm uh, on like an anime kick for sure. Well, that's new. You know, Just- <laughs> a kick? You mean a life? life? An anime yeah. life? I feel exactly. like I'm never watching anime. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm always reading manga though, but. I don't think I'm ever reading or watching anime. Um, I just rewatched um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and then the two kind of. Uh, films episodes following as well the end of evangelion and uh the other one uh truth two or something like that um fantastic it is it is peak it's it's not anime it is art and um yeah it took me six years to realize that but within those six years i kept thinking about the movie i kept pondering and as i was growing this little thing called empathy it dawned on me that Shinji Ikari is an awesome main character, and I thought he was just some dumb kid. I was like, get in the fucking mech and fight these monsters, you dumb kid. No, bro, he is, he's got a lot of problems. He's got a lot of issues. He's, he's chill, bro. I'm, I, I gave him a hard time. I, I probably would have done the same in his situation. So, um, fantastic anime, fantastic. Evangelion's one of those animes where I feel like it's like watch before you die yeah kind of animes i still haven't seen it and it's one of those things that's like godzilla with me where like i want to get into and i know i'm going to get into but i know it's just sitting there and i know that it's probably gonna age like fine wine so it doesn't really matter how long i wait to watch it that it's gonna be good mm-hmm. um but yeah it's been obviously as a fan of anime it's been on my backlog since the inception of me being interested in the medium so i know that i'm going to watch it maybe uh I'll do like a celebratory thing when I move into my new place. Oh, and the the uh, theme song is. Oh, no, I've heard the theme song. It is very good. Very good. Uh, Playing that like throughout your house on your 80 inch double widescreen. (laughs) I I gouging deluxe 360 experience 4K 4D. 
400 hertz disc screen yeah. would be amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Also joining us today, we have the stretchy boy, the elastic, Mr. Fantastic, Brendan Jesus Ortega Madison. How you doing? Uh, I am fantastic, uh, Ian. I'm glad that you went on that uh, that that little rant because uh, I realized uh, two of the lines in my fear facts made absolutely no sense. Oh. Um, so I just had the perfect amount of time to edit them. Uh, um, I was welcome. I was still listening though. You were talking about uh, tentacles, correct? <laughs> uh, there is a tentacle. In- I'm, I'm, I'm just fucking with you. Uh, I am. Good. I'm very swamped. I'm overwhelmed. I, I'm mm-hmm. in the middle of uh, the Final Girls Berlin Film Festival, uh, which has, I think, 80 short films that I'm slated to cover and four feature films. Yeah. Is there a time length for each short film? Um, the sh- <laughs> the short like an average time. The shortest one that I watched was five minutes. The longest one was 38. Oh, okay. I guess not. It's a lot, though. Um, well, I mean, if it's like 80 of them, I mean. Yeah, it's, but it's fun. It's probably my favorite festival, um, and I'm very excited to be covering it. Um, what makes it your favorite festival? Uh, so it's, uh, so it's as I said, it's called the Final Girls Berlin Film, Fe- the Final Girl Berlin Film Festival, and um, the only stipulation is uh, they take films from women, non-binary individuals, and um, um, LGBTQ films. So the either the producers, the writers, the directors, or the actors have to fall within that category, uh, and it. It shows you a lot of films that I think other more prominent film festivals, not not that they would shy away from them, uh, but just short films that wouldn't necessarily be in those festivals. Like I, I've seen uh, this beautiful uh, uh, short film uh, from my heritage, from the Philippines, and it introduced me to um, uh, a creature uh, or I guess uh, a cryptid or a, a piece of Filipino lore um, that I have never even heard of before. And uh, I, what I appreciate about the festival is while a lot of festivals uh, try and claim inclusivity, um, a lot of them still really aren't. And this is one of the few truly inclusive film festivals um, that can really open your eyes to all sorts of foreign horror films. And I, I just love it. They put their money with it where their mouth is. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. And the people that run it are are amazing. They're the they're the easiest heads of festivals to work with ever. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, well, I'm glad it's going good for you. Um, anything else aside from just staying busy? Do you have any recs? Anything you're uh, watching, playing, re- reading? Yeah. Oh man, I've just been getting really deep back into Deep Rock Galactic. Uh, really been sinking some time into that rock and stone, <laughs> rock and stone. Um, game, it's so fun, it's just so fun. It's the it's one of the easiest games for me to put like uh, uh, the art bell, uh, coast to coast with art bell on, just just pop, pop deep rock on, and just like fucking mine and 
and kill some spiders. You know, it's fun. Get some spiders, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hey, cool. Well, I'm glad uh, you're enjoying Deep Rock. And um, yeah, well, today we're actually. Wait, what about, what um, about you? What about yeah. you? Whoa, bro. Oh, what about you? Well, I mean, I was going to get into that. But um, me, I've just, I've been kind of all over the place. I've been reading a few books. I'm on my second one. Uh, I've been getting. Can you tell further- us what both of those are? Two of them will be covering, so I don't oh, okay. want to announce them yet. Okay. Um, but I'm having the author of one of them on, which I'll talk to you guys about later. But um, I've been playing some games, uh, collecting some retro stuff still. Uh, I just picked up another Silent Hill, so I'm one step closer to owning all of them. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but lately, I don't know. I've just kind of been... I'm in this stage of reflection. We're like in my downtime, instead of trying to like uh, busy myself with entertainment or be distracted. Like I'm, I'm trying not to use my phone like almost at all throughout the day. I'm trying to be very sparse with what I use. Um, I don't know. I've been trying to just like not meditate per se, but like be as present. L- l- perfectly. Yes. I've been trying to be present in my thoughts and try not to be distracted as much as possible. So, like, I've been setting aside just enough time to, like, do certain things, like play a video game or read a book or watch a movie sparingly. So when I do those things, I'm, like, really into them. And then with the remainder of the time, I've been just kind of thinking, spending time with my dogs, walking, going on walks, uh, just reading shit, uh, learning about shit. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm trying to get out of like the constant ritualization of things I've been doing, like uh, playing video games, getting achievements, like being obsessive about stuff. So, um, yeah, there's been that. And then I've been dealing with a lot of like work changes. I've been I've been switching um, shifts there. So I'm now being on mornings and not going to be on nights anymore. I'm going to have different days off. I'm getting, looking to move out, getting different places. We've been searching for that kind of stuff. So a lot of like life stuff. But um, yeah, I plan on getting back into some uh, into some games and movies here soon. But I, I, I like this idea of like uh, Dom just walking up to a door in your guys' place that's shut and there's no light coming out of it and she opens the door and you're just sitting there in the dark and she's like, honey, are, are you okay? And you're like... <laughs> I'm just with my thoughts right now. <laughs> I'm being <laughs> present, Dom. <laughs> Can you leave me alone? Uh, I might no, do that. that, that too. That's just, admirable. Just that's for ad- a laugh. Yeah, that's that's admirable though. I I like that. I, I I think more people need to do that. Just just sit there, and and just not deal with the things in your head, but just realize like there's there's things going on, and maybe sometimes I do play deep rock for eight hours in a row because I don't want to think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and then like Ian, what's up? I witnessed that um the other day, actually, um some uh lady employee was trying to give a, a suggestion to uh, a dude employee, and she was trying to like re it was at uh uh bookman's um she was trying to like re uh, like offer her idea to rearrange the uh the whole bookshelf and the dude was like yeah i hear what you're saying and then he just like referenced a freaking movie he's like nah i'm gonna do my own thing and he just like kind of just totally blew her off and like i was like this dude's totally somewhere else he's like not even paying attention to her and i don't know it just felt 
not only disrespectful, but it just felt like he's that dude needs uh, like a you know a check. He needs to check himself yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes it's important to do that. And like, I went through stages where I used to like self medicate with like alcohol or drugs or whatever. And then now since I've been like clear minded of that kind of stuff, I noticed that I do other things and other vices that maybe aren't like as uh, crucified um, in the minds of people that people do every day. Like for example, when I go take a shit now, I don't bring my phone into the bathroom. What do you, <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to be present in my shit. Okay. <laughs> I have, I, to, be, I have to hide. I smell the, the aromas. I this one has a, a floral, nutty smell to it. Yeah, dude. Yeah, fucking A, man. Just like get into your surroundings. But like I wake up, I look at my phone. I lay in bed at yeah. night, I look at my phone. I take yeah. a shit, I look at my phone. You know, it's like constant. I, I, I sit down to eat breakfast. I look at my phone and scroll while I'm eating breakfast. Like I'm just trying to like get out of that kind of stuff. And I don't know, just be more present, like you said. But yeah, I like that. Just, just, it's just a little thing I'm experimenting with. I'm not like pushing it on anybody or saying, you gotta try this or something. <laughs> but like, it's just something I'm personally experimenting yeah. with. So yeah. That's dope. But I'm um, thinking about a, a wine critic reading poop smells. I will, I will have one for you on the next, on the next episode. I will have one for you. I'm really getting the sushi that I ate two days yeah. ago. It's yeah. vinegar forward. But today's a very special episode because we're actually doing a Discord recommendation. Um, per one of our members in our discord so every week we let our discord members in the ruminations of red room discord offer up a weekly suggestion we take those weekly suggestions at the end of the month and we randomize them we pick a selection based on um, their recommendations and we cover it and today is our first one we've ever done so shout out to ac royals i hope i'm saying that right ac royals act royals whatever you, uh, you go by but we've selected his film uh, this month, which is The Exorcist 3, the 1990 film. So before we b begin with our initial impressions, first thoughts, how we watched it, all that jazz, let's get into some facts. The Exorcist 3 is begrudgingly, by many, the third film in the Exorcist franchise and is written and directed by William Peter Blatty. Blatty, who also wrote the novel the first film was based on, had an idea for a new novel which he called Legion. This then spawned into a feature film script with the original film's director, William Friedkin, set to direct. Disputes between Blatty and Friedkin would result in Friedkin dropping out and Blatty re-deciding to turn Legion back into a novel. Once Legion became a best-selling novel, he decided to take it back and turn it into a feature-length screenplay. Um, eventually, two companies would be um, in a bidding war uh, with Blatty for uh, with Blatty set to direct. Um, uh, the, de the decision became easy for him when one of the companies requested that he brought Re Reagan back. Is it Reagan or Reagan? I don't remember. I think it's Reagan. Reagan. Yes, yeah. Um, so one of the companies requested he brings Reagan back as a mother to possessed twins. The company that Blatty eventually went with just wanted him to make his own film. Initially. 
Coming off the humiliating Exorcist 2, the pressure was on Blatty and Morgan Creek to get this one right. This would eventually cause Morgan Creek to stick their fingers into the film's production at Blatty's behest. On an $11 million budget, Exorcist 3 would bring in a scoff-worthy $44 million. This is particularly due to the film's increasing, uh, incredibly flimsy connection to the Exorcist. Uh, the original Exorcist. Word quickly spread spread through friends, film critics, and horror circles that an Exorcist 3 was dead in the water. In 2016, cult distribution company Scream Factory was able to scrap together enough segments of the now of the then lost film to create a fairly nice uh, uh, collector's remastered edition. Um, but how do we feel about this film? Is it as fun as a jump scare decapitation or more painful than having your skin ripped off while you're stuck to the ceiling? And what the fuck is Samuel L. Jackson doing in this movie? I didn't see him. Let's Dude. discuss. I didn't notice. Not only him, but At- Fabio and Patrick yeah, Ewing, uh, Patrick Ewing yeah. <laughs> who went to Georgetown and he also uh, was the coach of Georgetown basketball. Oh, interesting. That is dope. Yeah, I didn't notice Sam Jackson. I'm assuming he was in the dream scene, right? Yes, he was. He was. Uh, he was the blind man in the the scene, but his voice is dubbed over. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, a little bit of James Roll Jones in there, you know. Um, wait, opposite though. Darth Vader doesn't matter. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into our initial thoughts. Where we watched it, would we add it to our collection? Ian, we're gonna start with you. Ghost of Ian, E squared. What did you think of the film? Where did you watch it? And would you add it to your collection? So I watched this first at a time when I was going, uh, when I was like into the sci-fi network and I was watching those like top 100 horror movies you've never heard of, top 100 most disturbing thing, like that kind of shit. Um, And this was on that list and um, I had never seen the first movie and I just went and saw this movie anyways because I I figured why not. Um, And I didn't really understand it at first. But I thought it was pretty good. This time, I still don't fully understand it. But I think uh, I get—I got a little extra this this time this time around. Um, I think this movie is um, knowing that the director is also the writer of the book that it's based on makes a whole lot of sense for so many different reasons. Um, but the. This is a very interesting film. Very interesting choices were made. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed, yeah. The the cast for one, uh, super old cast, which um, uh, just very interesting. It's uh, it, do you it's, mean you mean like it's a cast of senior citizens? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay, I just want to like, make sure that that's a what you cast mean. who is like. Not gonna be around for the Blu-ray of this. I film. mean, Brad Dorf wasn't that old in the movie. Or, sure, sure he's probably time, the yeah. youngest person in this Late movie, 30s, other than maybe. other than blind uh, Samuel Jackson. Sure, um, but yeah, everything about this movie super cool, and I think that um, I think we have a lot to go over for sure. Uh, I watched this. Um, I watched this on Tubi. Gotcha. Before I ask you, Brennan, did anybody watch the Legion edition or the director's cut edition or was everybody just watching the theatrical cut? I've watched the Legion edition before. I have a friend that owns the that that's the Scream Factory cut, right? Well, the Scream Factory comes with both. 
Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I watched it at a friend's house, maybe, uh, like, right before the pandemic. Um, but I don't remember much, although I do have some information on how Morgan Creek um, made him change the ending. So I can't remember if that's the ending in the Legion Cut or not. Yeah, from what I've read, Legion Cut is like the prime way to watch this film. Okay. Like apparently it's the one example of a director's cut that just makes it better in every way and adds a lot of additional scenes and things and maybe even change the ending. I don't know about that, but I, with how uh, high praise the Legion edition gets, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the ending was a little changed up. Okay. But yeah, I, I personally just watched the theatrical edition, so okay. I didn't know if maybe you guys were on the same page on that, but Brendan, let's throw it over to you. Uh, so I did own it at one point. Maybe the copy that I watched at my friend's house was the copy that I had, and I lent it to them uh, and didn't remember, um, so I couldn't find my copy, uh, so I just ended up watching it on Tubi as well. I... I have some issues with this movie. Uh, it's, <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> There's got to be at least one hater on every episode. It's, no, I'm not a hater. I just, I, I just think that some that like half of the movie tries to be like a black comedy, and then it like gets really serious at the end. And I kind of wish they would have leaned a little bit more into the comedy angle because I kind of enjoyed that. Uh, it's just not, that comment on that yeah. real quick i do think the humor was actually pretty well placed and like the tone of the movie was like was pretty balanced between the seriousness and the humor like just mm -hmm. when they're joking around in the cafe in the beginning and talking yeah. about the movie he's going to see they were like subtle witty humor quips and not like trying to beat you over the head with jokes which yeah. i actually appreciated it, it, it made the characters more believable or do we just think that's just how good of an actor George C. Scott is? I mean, honestly, I, like he's he's a fucking yeah. fox. That he is dude. a relic of his time. I, and was, I liked it. I'm was. glad you guys brought that up because <laughs> this guy is on another level for me. And I've seen other films with him in it before. I've seen The Changeling. Uh, actually, that might be the only movie, if I'm being honest. Um, but I know he's in Patton and things like that. Mm -hmm. I want to go through his filmography. This guy is a a class top tier class act actor dude it's almost like him and oliver reed graduated from the same university or something yes like, same vibe the same vibe yeah same vibes like we're talking about some old school acting mm -hmm. where they just they come out and they know what they're like professionals mm -hmm. brennan i'm sorry to hijack no 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 that's fine um you know sometimes actors are referred to as chewing scenery um, you know, when they're extravagant and overly flamboyant and everything. Uh, George C. Scott doesn't chew the scenes. He fucking mukbangs these scenes. It is... <laughs> Dude, yeah, it, for real, though. <laughs> it is, um, but, uh, sorry, oh, we'll get to... Uh, sorry, initial thoughts. Um, Every time he was on screen, I was just like, can you stay on screen for the <laughs> remainder of the film? Like, Sorry, Brennan, go ahead. Um, so, you know, th this, uh, Ian, kind of going back to what you were saying, this film does have... Um, the one scene that every single top 10 best jump scares list or, yeah. you know, it, this film has, I would say the penultimate jump scare, um, in, I remember in four different film classes in college, um, even when we weren't 
talk, even when it wasn't about horror films, this film, that scene specifically, was used to uh, to discuss the importance of editing and how editing can be used to tell a story. Yeah. I just want to say before the conversation gets lost in something else that I'm glad that I went into that scene blind and I'm glad that I didn't know anything about it. I didn't see any gifts about it. I didn't. That was a very powerful scene. And whether or not you like the movie, that that is one of the coolest mm-hmm. static shots and and just an impressive jump scare and is so throwback to like a giallo or a fucking like old school slasher. I loved it. I loved it. But we'll talk more about it. Um uh the the last the last thought that I that I really want to have before we get into it is uh this didn't need to be an exorcist movie. Mm-hmm. Uh Blatty's original ending was um uh George C Scott basically going into the cell and before Brad Dorf really has the opportunity to explain himself he just shoots Brad Dorf in the head. I think that ending would have been amazing but i get that they had to put an ex morgan creek wanted an exorcism scene to justify the exorcist title uh but there's there's a lot of really fun moments in this movie from fucking old old spider women on the ceiling to this amazing jump scare to just uh, george c scott being both both the best and worst detective imaginable (laughs) i think that this is truly the epitome of a good bad movie Well said. Very well said. Um, so I'm not a big Exorcist fan uh, as far as like the first movie. Um, I'm not an Exorcist hater. I just, I always thought the movie just never, it never resonated with me. Mm-hmm. I just was not into the hype like a lot of people. I appreciate what it did and like the cultural impact it had by being so like graphic and gritty for its time. Um, but it just never it never landed with me and i think it's a good film but i think the exorcist 3 is kind of like what you said brendan it could be a self-contained film that's not even in the franchise mm-hmm. but the fact that it does have these loose ties in with the original film it almost makes me like the first exorcist more it it, it makes me want to go back and almost do a double feature um and i think for that um i really appreciate what the exorcist 3 is and what it stands for but I think that there's just a lot of quality to this film. I'm surprised I haven't seen it before. The acting is next level. Some of the shots, like we talked about with the jump scare scene, is, are, are just really well done. Next level stuff. Um, the writing is where it gets a little bit Hollywood. And uh, the possession of multiple people and, you know, the, the whole sequence at the end of the nurse riding to the house and that whole, that whole end sequence in the house with the kill is a little over the top, especially since the first film is supposed to be so rooted and grounded to, like, real-life events that could happen. Um, so, like, for that, it does get a little bit theatrical. But I do like that. I do think that it went in a direction that kind of grabbed my sensibilities a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed the film quite a bit. I watched it on the Scream Factory 4K edition. And this, I know we talked about physical media on the last episode, but this is an example where I think the 4K, not only the resolution bump, but the audio mix was absolutely fantastic. So I have a surround sound system and the speakers behind me, they 
they mix the sound in a way of whenever you would hear the whispers of the demons, it would come to the, like the speakers behind you. So it had directional audio and it would constantly revolve around you. And it made it very um, engaging. And uh, I was very like in it. It was very cool. Um, but even without that kind of stuff, I still think that it would have been good just to have the resolution piece. So that being said, we were talking a little bit earlier about how this movie may look older than it is. I think, in my opinion, 90s horror movies have aged the worst out of most decades. Do you guys agree or disagree with that? So what do you think about the overall, like, just film aesthetic of the, you know? I think the 90s might be the wor- one of the worst decades for horror. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Not a lot of franchises were started. Um, and it was mostly just like some bad continuations of other franchises. Um, there are some amazing films that came out of the 90s, like uh, Candyman. Like that is a that is a near perfect film for me. Um, but other than that, it's like ooh, like Leprechaun. Was that going to be one of the top films for the 90s? Like because that's we're pushing it at that point. It's not, it's not the greatest uh, uh, to represent the whole decade. You know, I, I think, so I, I, what did I say initially that it looks like a a mid budget eighties movie, right? So I, my assumption is since it came out in 1990, Mm -hmm. it was probably filmed mid 88, early 89 at the latest. And I'm, so I'm just looking at, at, Google right now. Movies they, that came out in 1990. Uh, Misery, It, um, Arachnophobia. And I think the early 90s movies look insanely 80s. And yes. then by the time you get around to the mid-90s with uh, Silence of the Lambs, uh, Scream, you know, that's kind of when I think the aesthetic of the 90s that we attribute to 90s films that's the time when the movies were starting to be filmed in 91 92 so i don't know if we should even call this a 90s movie honestly because by all accounts it looks sounds and acts like an 80s movie if it looks sounds and acts like an 80s movie then why do 80s movies just look better why have they aged better i mean i feel like it's partly due to maybe like the everything down from like uh the colors and the color palettes that are chosen like the whole like pastel vibe that the 80s went for and also like the style choices the hair choices i mean can that affect the way a film looks like why why does it look why is it age so much differently even though it's older that's a good question because I feel like even something like something stupid like Chopping Mall looks better than this film. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's maybe, a good four or five years older, right? Yeah, like um, maybe there was like some kind of technological breakthrough and de evolution. There was like two years where technology went backwards, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe there's something like uh, something in the filming world that we just didn't like that we don't know. Uh, that happened like throughout the 90s um i don't know it's a good question well i i i would say that the i don't know much about cameras but i would think that the mid 90s 
I, I want to know when we kind of switched from film being the medium to digital capture. I feel like that was probably early 2000s, right? Oh, okay. I mean, I, I don't know for sure. But you know, I, I, like I, I don't know either. Because, like, what, what was, is, I don't think Scream was filmed on film. Mm, I don't know. But even then, uh, back to our earlier points, though, like, mid 80s and early 90s films were both filmed on film so but yet they look so different Mm -hmm. so i don't know it just looks muddy like it looks uh yeah it kind of looks like vaseline is smeared over the film (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you have like some some dark smudges everywhere and like i don't know it just uh so Maybe this is due to used equipment or something. I don't know. This is <laughs> an example where I think there's little pockets of time where restoring the film in 4K resolution and things like that does help and make it look better. Um, it kind of cleans up that muddiness, but I don't know. Let's talk about probably the two strengths of this film personally to me. I think that it's probably George C. Scott and Brad Dorif, obviously. The acting performances between these two gentlemen are top tier. I would even go as far as saying with Brad Dorif, like Oscar worthy. I I think he is like next level in this film. I think the whole sequences in the cell are super powerful. Had me the most engaged out of any other part in the movie. Brendan, I'll throw it over to you. What do you think about the performances in the film? You know, actually, this is this is something that that I I care very deeply about the exact thing that you brought up in regard uh, regarding Brad Dourif. I think the most unfortunate thing to happen to his career is him having such a good antagonist voice, because even though, you know, in uh, Child's Play, you do get a little bit of him on screen before it's just his voice. He is one of, if not the best genre actors out there. And I think, uh, have you guys ever watched Criminal Minds? Yeah, I have before, yeah. There is uh, an episode where Brad Dourif plays um, an evil puppeteer that kidnaps people and turns them into human puppets. Like, there's a scene where he goes and, like, snaps each one of their bones and stuff in... I kind of look at that character in hindsight almost as an extension of this character because it's kind of the same person. But Brad, when he just his monologues and mm-hmm. the not only the the sadness behind him, but like the pure anger and hatred behind it, um, the when when uh goodness sorry when it, one of the scenes where george c scott is talking with brad Dourif, and then it switches over to um the priest from the first film that jumped out of the window and died um i kind of actually i really wish that 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 they didn't do that that was something that blatty didn't want um but i would Wait, hold on. What, what was something that they didn't want um it was just supposed to be brad Dourif the whole time Oh, okay. But they, but the studio wanted one more connection to the original film. Yeah. Question: In your film, was it not the father for the original? Like when they first meet, it was. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like Brendan. Oh. Yeah. 
It was? Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we watched the same one. Okay. You know, it was, yeah. So it was just initially supposed to be Brad Dourif the entire time. And that one line that the father gives before he gets shot in the head, he, he's like, what did he say? Like, kill me, shoot me now or something. Uh, yeah, that, that was the... Could you imagine the Brad Dourif cut of that? His Shoot just down. tears streaming yeah. down. <laughs> but yeah, it would have it would have elevated the ending of this film to to god status. It would have been a geriatric guy saying, yeah. "Kill me, kill me now." <laughs> okay. Um, I I actually I actually liked the switch to Father Damien. I actually liked uh, him still being inside, following. I also. I get why they did the connection, like you said, um, just to make it an exorcist film. But I, I think that's what makes it, I don't know, cool. And I, like, I think that's what makes it um, more digestible when watching the first movie and like the link between the two, and it could be a good double feature. I, I didn't mind it. But yeah, no, Brad Dorf is 100%. I mean, I just like the play that they had of the internal battle between the two people. It's like two souls fighting over one body. It's, it's yeah. kind of interesting. I think it also makes it a lot less confusing switching to the father at the end there. Because the, the switch between actors, bold, bold move. Very bold. Especially um, for 1990. Literally, like, it, I think it's only his second film. His second and last film, right? Something like that, yeah. That's insane. Um, well, the, the director, sorry. The director. Oh, oh okay. Um, that is an insanely bold move, and um, I feel like it could. I do like um, Brad's acting. Here, Brad, yeah, Brad. Um, I love, I love his acting. I feel like he went super hard in the paint. Him and um, George went like insanely hard. It almost made me feel like whatever they said was true. Like whatever they're whatever they're doing, whatever they're acting is, I'm 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 all for it. Whatever you're gonna say is 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 reality. Like he I, I and I couldn't really tell if he was supposed to be Satan or maybe disciple or maybe um like the demon that's in the first film. Yeah, he was he was supposed to be Pazuzu. Okay. Was he? Because uh, that's yes. that, that's where I got confused because um from my understanding that demon was killed along with yeah. uh, uh, Father Damien in the first film. And at a, like a last-minute-ditch effort, uh, he refers... I can't remember what he refers to him as, but the devil inserted uh, the... Yes. The Gemini exactly killer's happens. soul into Damien's body as like a way of like being like, hey, fuck you. Now you're going to be a priest that kills people. Um, and everybody's going to hate you for it kind of thing. Yeah. And um, he, when he was going over the story of him coming out of his tomb, he's like, it's some kind of sick joke. He put me into this dude's body. I had to like conjure it together. It was already jelly. It was already a mess. Yeah. So um, I, exactly I think yeah. I think Damien was able to exercise and kill the other demon. And by retaliation, the devil put the Gemini killer into Damien. Which That's is insane. The cool for premise. The, for the father, like to yeah. go through two... He has to go through two exorcisms. He has to he has to conduct an exorcism and yeah. then be exorcised. Yeah, like he thought he could get away easy, but not. not I mean, I think it's kind of I think it's kind of noble that like he sacrificed himself yeah. to kill the demon, mm -hmm. and then winds up being possessed by another demon, in a sense, right? Because yeah. 
the Gemini killer, his spirit would eventually probably turn into that, you know? Um, And then having to be exercised, being on the other side of it Mm -hmm. was kind of interesting. I don't know. I wasn't, I don't, I don't know if I can say I wasn't a fan of the exorcism at the end, um, but it was very random. It was definitely very random because I feel like that, that father that came in to do the exorcism, he was kind of just referenced very shortly and we didn't really get to know him or like, he just like came by and he's like, oh, I can do this. So let's talk about the visuals. So we'll start with the dream sequence and then we'll also lead into the exorcism. So I thought the dream sequence was a crazy pivot in tone that I wasn't expecting, but I, I enjoyed it. It's what made it kind of different thematically from the first exorcist by being, like I said, more gritty grounded and based in like real events. Um, this took like a very majestical point of view and I, I actually liked it. I thought it was interesting. Um, what did you guys think of the dream sequence? Uh, did do you think like why did it happen? Like, or was it just placed there to add some sort of context of the death of the other father? Oh, it was the the first one with Patrick Ewing and Fabio and, and all yeah. them, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was um, it was to show that the the dude died and like maybe try to can his his is uh the father's latch last ditch effort of trying to get him on his side of faith maybe i disagree i think that it is the demon trying to fuck with george c scott and seeing the little boy and yeah that. yeah it, it's it's almost like like, uh, the, the, the which which we'll, I want to get to that in a second. Um, but it's uh, you know, it the demon is taunting George. We haven't even called him by his character name. I don't remember his character name at this point. Lieutenant William Bill Kinderman. Okay, so uh, Kinderman obviously is in the middle of um, what they are perceiving to be a rampant serial killer that's going around cutting heads off um, willy-nilly pretty much. So he has this dream where he sees all of these pop culture icons of the time. Um, they're decapitated. Uh, then he sees the the little boy who was in the, the boys' police club, I think it was called, or something. Um, <laughs> and then that's when we see his friend with um the father with the yeah with the 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 neck the neck scars and i think that's the demon just playing with him kind of just trying to like really wear him down emotionally then we get to the exorcism uh it is very extravagant with the you know it's very hellraiser like with the chains breaking the concrete the 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 crucifixion rising from hell, the oh, yeah. souls of the undead reaching out, uh, very, uh, the skin being the flesh being torn off of, you know, the body. I, I think that was pretty extreme. Ian, you said that you thought it was kind of, it just felt too so much weird. Yeah. It, it fell out of place. The, the tone of the film kind of changed after that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because before that, I mean, we don't really get it, every body is covered. Like we don't see any gore or um, destruction from from the kills, um, except for like blood. We see the vials of blood next to the bed. We see blood on the floor, and now we see someone's back skin ripping off onto the ceiling. Um, it was. It definitely felt like maybe the the director and the studio had some kind of conflict there, and they just shoehorn the the exorcist in that's actually that that sounds probably what happened was that there was like a mix in direction yeah. from multiple people that they wanted to go uh i like that they went in that direction personally i think it's a really cool scene and i think it kind of this movie is kind of all over the place it's like a slasher it's a giallo it's a exorcism movie it's, it's a, a police possession. procedural it's a police yeah it's <laughs> it's kind of all over the place and this is the one time where it kind of works in its favor for me but i can totally see the tonal shifts being not for everybody i get it, that it feels weird too it feels like um it feels like the director spent zero money on the entire film up until then and the studio is like what are you gonna do with this extra 20 million dollars he's like i don't know hold, hold my water. beer <laughs> hold, my, hold my holy water hold my holy water and brendan before i throw it over to you i will say though that in the exorcism scene when the father is walking up to do it it is kind of badass and the door shuts and the thing shuts and like you got that Dutch angle and it's like almost like square off round one. Let's go. Yeah. I think that was, it was really cool. I was waiting for some like butt rock to kick in. I was like, let's just do this dude. But um, yeah, it did come out of nowhere and he wasn't referenced that often. So I uh, like initially watching, I was like, this guy looks like an anime character, but who, is he? <laughs> like, who is this guy? Oh, uh, Brennan, what did you think of the overall exorcism sequence? A, a lot of the issues that I have with the exorcism scene, uh, Ian, you and I, I think we're kind of on the same page about it. William Peter Blatty is not a good director. I'm, re I'm really bummed that William Friedkin, uh, that, that they had a falling out and that he wasn't, because if uh, Friedkin was the director of this movie, um, I think we would have gotten a very, very different product. I, I don't think that Blatty is a competent director whatsoever. There's nothing wrong with having a film that starts out as a police procedural, then goes into a thriller, and then turns into uh, religious horror at the end. There's nothing wrong with that. But if if the director doesn't know how to properly handle that, it's just going to feel like he got to the point where he was like, okay, now let's try this shot. And okay, ooh, this might be fun if we did this. You know, it, it's there There was no rhyme or rhythm to, there was no connecting direct, I don't want to use the word auteur, but it, he's not a competent director. And I think that the finished product really shows that he couldn't handle it. To your point, Brendan, I feel like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna comment on if on a, if I think he's a good director or a bad director. I just think he's he makes interesting decisions, mm -hmm. and you can you can one thousand percent tell he's a he's a writer um, <laughs> because there are a lot of these monologues and there's a lot of uh, description in the mm -hmm. killings, especially of the the first boy and then the 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 girl 
um, with the with the dress. Um, very like writer director kind of scenes. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah. I didn't think about that. And even down to something like The Exorcism, where on paper it would be like super descriptive, but your mind would play it out more tame probably than what the visual side of it would look like. Mm-hmm. So that's a very good point. I like that. Um, so before we get into final thoughts, I just want to talk about the jump scare, that whole scene. And I want to talk about the costume and the way they look. What do you guys think of it? I'm just going to say that I wasn't expecting it. Did it make me jump? Absolutely. I love the zoom in in the walk by. I love the shears. I love the weapon used. I love everything about this. It's very slashery in every sense of the Kyle way that he likes. Uh, and I'm glad it didn't get ruined for me, honestly. But what do you guys think of the whole sequence? And what do you guys think of the twist with the possession of the killers and the uh, senior citizens? <laughs> I know that's a two a, a, a twofold question, Ian. We'll throw it over you. Okay. Um, I like the weapon. Very unique. Um, I don't know if they had to create some kind of thing. I don't know if that's an actual tool that. <laughs> I hope it's not. It doesn't look like it. It looks like something out of like Alien Resurrection, but <laughs> clippers for an elephant, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> insane weapon. Um, I think. I might have gotten the the jump scares spoiled for me, maybe on the top 100 jump scares of all yeah. time of horror movies history. Um, but uh, the lead up to it, because I, I I didn't know if this was going to be the scene um, due to the the misdirection of the the first jump scare, and then it's it keeps playing. I'm like, oh, this has to be it, right? And then it comes out, and it's it's awesome. You're right. It it is very giallo. Um, everything like the the dude being covered up the the yeah it's awesome and you really don't expect it from the door that she comes out of because she looks in the door and she looks in the room nothing's there then she just walks out boom strikes immediately very cool very cool um scene so it is i understand it's a very good jump scare and that <laughs> uh, and that it is a very good example of how to, you know, af- uh, right after the shears and they both walk off, it cuts to the um, the the, st- the headless statue. And I think that is a very great example of how to use editing to to show less and say more. That is not the scariest scene for me in this. I think that the scariest scene is when the old lady is spider crawling on the fucking ceiling at the hospital. (laughs) That is terrifying. And no one notices that was really happening, right? Yes. Like that, like that was real. That wasn't like a sequencer. That wasn't like a, okay. I, I I don't know if it was or not. I used to believe it was real, but it's, it's funny, but it's also, it kind of reminds me if you guys have ever watched, uh, that movie Legion. Yes. Yeah. 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 It reminds me of the old lady in that. Yeah. Dude. And it looks like for being a nineties film, I would, it looks good, bro. Like I, I, you, you would think at this time period, like you would be able to see the disconnect of two different scenes being filmed because you know that most of them are just cut together yeah, yeah. in a s- sequence like that. It's almost like when they try to 
film the same actor being two different people at the same time. And you could like see the difference in the, the scene, but it looked very cohesive. Mm-hmm. Like it looked like it was part of the same set. So it's very interesting. I want to see how that was done, but yeah. Um, and and it's even funnier once you realize that that old lady played the biggest capper in the, in the, in the yeah. movie. Like she was capping her ass off. She's like, Oh, you thought that was a radio? Was, I knew you were lying because that's a cell phone and there's still nothing in her hands. Oh, whatever that lady said, it was hilarious. Finally, I'll say, and you guys don't have to have a comment on this, but feel free to speak up after if you do. The whole end sequence of the cop having the realization and driving to his home and all that, I thought it was a little dumb. Like, I thought it was a little, like, very, like, movie Hollywood kind of thing. Um, and it was very outside of like the tome of what I always had in my mind the Exorcist series was. But I, at that point, we were already so far past what my expectations were of this movie that I just, I was bought in. So I was like, fuck it, let's do this. He's going to race home and save the day kind of thing. Um, I appreciated it. I thought it was pretty cool. But initially I was like, okay, let's just fucking wrap it up. <laughs> let's wrap it up now. Um, yeah, he had to drive you guys back. have any comments about like the end and the whole twist and the nurse at the end and the attempted killing. I will say I like that it was, I guess, a good transition to show the the exorcist coming in because mm-hmm. that was awesome. Yeah. When she like stopped and then she realized and she was on the ground and praying for her life. Uh, and then the it, it cuts to the uh, the priest coming in for the exorcist. I thought that was cool. It was a cool transition. But the lead up was a little, little dorky. A little dorky, yeah. I agree. Cool. Yeah. Oh, do you have anything to say? No, I was going to say you guys covered it. I don't have any comments on it. Cool. So, bef- actually, no, we'll go ahead and get into our final thoughts and rating now. Uh, Brendan, you know what, Ian, let's start it with you. Uh, what were your final thoughts and rating for The Exorcist 3 1990? Um, Brendan hates this dude's directing, but I thought... I didn't say I hate it. You said he wasn't competent. He wasn't a competent director. Yeah, that doesn't mean I hate it. Um, the decisions that he makes are very interesting to me, and I thought that this was a very uh, interesting film. I liked the acting of the, the two male, uh, protagonist and antagonist um and they completely stole the show i wonder if he picked an older audience just because he was a newer director and didn't want to deal with um like child actors or like having to give directing uh to like younger actors i wonder if that was like why he picked an older cast um but crazy movie I I I'm really torn on my uh my my rating. I'm gonna give it a heart for sure, um, just because I love Exorcist films. Um, I think I'm gonna give it a four stars. I think it's a hesitant four stars. Hesitant four stars. Hesitant four stars. Okay, and a heart. Four stars and a heart. Ian, do you like this better than the first Exorcist? No. But I think the first exorcist is a is a five out of five. Okay. Brennan, final thoughts and rating. Uh what is there 
to say besides I absolutely hate Blatty's directing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's it's a fine movie. Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily go out of my way to rewatch it. The only I, I would go out of my way to rewatch the Legion cut. I will say that to, to rewatch that if I haven't seen it. Um, not terrible. It didn't need to be an exorcist movie. Uh, there was no reason that it needed that connection. The connection that they made to justify an exorcist title, uh, pretty much is those are the reasons why I didn't necessarily enjoy the film. George C. Scott, amazing. Brad Dourif, amazing. Uh, I guess I'll give it a heart, and but I'm gonna stick at a three. Kyle, what what you think about it? The things I like most about this film, or the thing I like most about this film, is that it makes me appreciate the first one more because I want to be a fan of the first Exorcist. I'm not a hater of the first Exorcist. I just think it's a little overrated. But this wackiness speaks to me in a way that doesn't to a lot of people, which I understand. And I think it amplifies the quality of the first movie with the connection opposite Brendan. So um, it makes me want to watch the first Exorcist more when in reality in my whole lifetime, I've seen it maybe three times and I don't ever plan on wanting to schedule a rewatch. This <laughs> makes me want to rewatch the first movie. This makes me want to go back and revisit it. Um, and I like the loose connection. Um, Brennan. Uh, question for y'all. Should a sequel make you want to watch the original again? Do you think that is a, a, a definition of a good sequel to make you want to, just out of curiosity? I don't think it's a definition of a good sequel. I just think it can be an example of treating the source material well okay. to a certain extent and uh, um, just utilizing the IP in a way that, you know, I mean, it's like an example is like Terminator 1 and 2, right? Mm -hmm. Terminator 2 is objectively a better movie than Terminator 1. Yeah. But object, that's why I said objectively. <laughs> but because <laughs> but, the argument could definitely be made. I could even make the argument why Terminator 1 is a better movie than Terminator 2. But Terminator 2 amplifies the importance of one in such a cool way that watching them back to back is a special thing. So I think this movie, not as strong as the case as the Terminator franchise in that exact <laughs> example, it doesn't amplify it in, in that powerful of a way. But I just think it's like that in a sense. Okay. Thank and you. I also think that's a very situational question. If you're watching Exorcist 1 and then immediately watching Exorcist 3 and want to go back to 1, probably not a good sign of a sequel but if you've if it's been years like kyle has in that in that situation it would be successful i think did, did you see the original in theaters kyle <laughs> <laughs> no no hashtags on in theaters on that one but uh unfortunately but uh yeah no i i think this movie is just has a lot more going for it than negative i I love the acting. I love the cast. The performances are great. There's something about a powerful, well-written monologue. Goes back to things like Mia Goth and Pearl and stuff. Like it just it grabs you and just doesn't let go. It it, it sucks you into the room with the person 
giving the monologue. And I think that's a powerful thing in film. And I think this has just a lot of great sequences like that. This movie, I was going to give this movie a four, but after this conversation, <laughs> after this conversation, um, I'm going to give it a four and a half and a heart. Uh, so, uh, this... okay, change mine to a 3.5. 3.5. Okay. okay, so we have a good. Okay, average. so we got four plus three point five plus four point five equals divided by three. It's four. Um. So the I, I keep wanting to say The Witcher. I don't know why. <laughs> the Exorcist three nineteen ninety gets a four stars and a heart on the ruminations of Redrum scale. AC Royals, thank you again for this recommendation. Uh, we appreciate everybody in our Discord. Please join our Discord. It's on Discord Bot. Disc Bot. What's it called, Ian? Uh, it's on the website Discord. It's also in the link in our bio and on Twitter. Thank you for that, Ian. Now, before we get into not only America's favorite game, but the world's, we're going to take a quick commercial break brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network. We'll be right back. You've been listening to another fine, fine podcast on the Rumination Radio Network. This is Game Agent E.T. from Oh God, It Hurts! And we hope you keep on listening to our fine, fine podcast here on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. And welcome back to Ruminations of Red Rum, the Heavy D podcast of the Ruminations Radio Network. It's now time to get into not only America's favorite game, but the world's! What's in the box? The game. I forgot I had to do a description. The game where we go to Letterboxd, which is a film movie database, and we read off three film descriptions. Where, and then my co-hosts have to then guess uh, the average rating of the film, what, the decade it re- what decade it released in, and if they get that right, they guess the year. Uh, three points total. Gentlemen, are you ready? Yes. Shout out to Heavy D and the boys. Now that we found love, what are we going to do with it? Number one. John has inherited a castle in Italy, and he moves there with his wife, Susan, and their blind daughter, Rebecca. What they don't realize is is that there is somebody else in the castle, an abused child left to die in the basement, who now has become the castle freak and is out to wreak havoc. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> five bucks says you guys still don't get anything right coincidentally um, this could be the remake though this film was also <laughs> this film was also on that top 100 there you go i'll say oh, i forgot to read the tagline hideous hungry and loose sounds okay. like sounds wife. like my ex-wife hey! hideous hungry and loose <laughs> is that what it says yeah yeah. Uh, uh I I'll say 2.8. This is a tough one. They're both not above three, I don't think. 2.8 is a good guess. I'm gonna go 2.7. Go closer, closer towards the uh the bottom. Yeah, that's you guys are both incorrect. No way. Guess it's, oh it, it's sitting at a 3.1. Okay, so this is the guess the or, decade. Wait, oh. don't I get a don't I get a point? I was three away. You said 2.8? Yeah. 2. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, sorry. Nine. Brendan gets ah. the point. Guess the decade. Such a tryhard. But <laughs> that's fine. 
I'll continue to be the Detroit Lions of this game. Um, I'll I'll do okay. I'll do opposite of whatever you do then. Okay, nineties, twenty twenties. Ian gets the point. It is not going to tell you the year. Ian guess <laughs> the year. You can clearly see I'm a little rusty at this. Nineteen ninety. 90, 90, 90, 3, 3, 4, 3. What's your final answer? 3. Ian, you are incorrect. It is the 1995 film directed by Stuart Gordon, Castle Freak. It is now 1-1, number 2. On December 28th, 1999 the citizens of new york city great year are getting ready for the turn of the millennium however satan decides to crash the party by coming to the city and searching for his chosen bride a 20 year old woman named christine york the word the world will end and the only hope lies within an atheist named jericho kane 2.4 i'm gonna go 3.1 Brendan with the second point. It is sitting at a 2.7. Guess the decade. Give me 90s. That's what I was going to say. I'm going to say 90s as well. You guys are both correct. It is the 90s. Guess the year. Give me 1998. Fuck it. 99. Brandon with the third point. Brandon sitting at four, Ian at two. It is the 1999 film directed by Peter Hyams, End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, that's a horror movie? That is no a way. Movie. Yeah. One we'll cover. Yeah, we got to cover that movie. Well, if we cover that, we got to cover the, the Stallone uh, horror film as well. 100%. Everyone has a secret to die for. As the countdown to graduation begins, students at Osborne High are being stalked by a maniac intent on exposing their darkest secrets to the entire town, terrorizing victims while wearing a lifelike mask of their own face. With a mysterious past of her own, Makani and her friends must discover the killer's identity before they become victims themselves. Connie. It's very... 2.9. It's very pre-2000. Three. 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 Film name. I'm going to go 2.7. And, Brendan, you said what? 3. 2.3 or 3? Three? 3. You guys are both incorrect. It is sitting at a 2.2. 2. Guess the decade. The 2020s. So Brendan knows what this is. I think. I don't know. I feel like you have a study guide for this fucking um i'll do a hand check let me think i'll give you a hand check i don't care about your hands a hand check (laughs) please uh 90s brennan with the fifth point it is a (laughs) 2020s film guess the year uh um uh 22 you won anyway, so it doesn't matter, but it is the 2021 film directed by patrick bryce there's someone inside your house it was the lifelike mask. That's that's how I knew exactly what movie it was. 
This has been another episode of Rumination of Red Room, the Detroit Lions of the Ruminations Radio Network. If you like what we're doing here, please like, please comment, please subscribe on any podcast service. We're literally everywhere. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, the whole shindig transistor is where we originated. Go, just go, just go check us out. Subscribe, like. Also, we're on Twitter at of red room that's of red room so if you'd like to follow us there please do we share our links to our episodes we drop each each week um we also have an instagram that we're not currently active on but we will be soon follow us there at ruminations of red room i've been your host kyle with a game and today we have joining me the spooky boy the ghost of mars ian two e's ian such a missed opportunity to wear all of my Georgetown merch. Literally the one or two movies I could have could have worn it for. Um, shout out to Georgetown Hoyas and uh, this movie and Lou Ferrigno um, and deaf people all over the world. Analastic, Mr. Fantastic, the one, the only, Brendan Jesus Ortega Madison. Uh, uh, issue two of the the bloody dozen is out now. You guys should all check it out. It's fantastic. Uh, space opera about vampires. It's fucking wild. Uh, Hail Ratma. AC Royals, we love you. Thank you for the wreck. Stay spooky, folks. Do a parody of Ian, and when I put it into like what I'm up to, I want to go. I've been on a little bit of a video game kick lately. <laughs> That's hot. I, I don't like, watch that much anime. I don't. I don't play that much video games, but I don't watch that much anime.